everyone, this is Hey Eric, Eric Gardner with podcast 14 of our little series and a lot's been going on as you're aware, the market, the Federal Reserve, now Jamie Dimon's coming out, you know, he's kind of like the, the guy who made it through the 2008 uh, Great Recession unscathed, he leads a, what bank is it, uh, I don't know, Jamie Dimon's bank, I think it's Bank of America, let's see here. Oh, J.P. Morgan. So, like I said, Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan, he uh, just came out with a little, he was in a news conference or a conference with some investors and some some high-profile people in J.P. Morgan. And he is one of the, the only banks that made it through the 2008 Great Recession, you know, pretty, pretty well. Um, so a lot of people have been listening to him over the last, you know, 12 years since that occurred or 14 years. Um, and so he had some pretty strong things to say. You know, we, we've talked a lot about the economy recently because the Federal Reserve is doing a lot to, you know, slow the economy, take down inflation. In fact, Jay Powell of uh, Federal Reserve met with uh, President Biden this last week. So a lot, you know, that's a big focus for, for everyone right now. And there's been a lot of talk of, you know, layoffs, recession, lots of, you know, mortgage companies that laid people off, other companies that, you know, I hear about not necessarily more real estate related, but others are also, you know, doing layoffs, you know, in preparation, a little bit concerned about a possible recession. Uh, Elon Musk mentioned yesterday that he wants, you know, wants to decrease his workforce by 10%. Uh, but Jamie Dimon, his comments were that, you know, between the war in Ukraine and inflation, he's super worried about oil prices, commodity prices, um, you know, shooting up to $150 a barrel. I think right now they're floating around 115. And with that 115, we see, you know, prices at the pump around four and a half to five dollars, at least here in Utah. They're higher even elsewhere. But, you know, those things, you know, when we talk about oil, oil turns into fuel, oil goes into a lot of manufacturing that can push prices up across the entire economy. Everything gets delivered by truck, which uses oil. Um, so it's, it's really concerning when you have these political issues, geopolitical issues around the globe with, you know, Russia still fighting in Ukraine. I heard last that they, they occupy about 20% of Ukraine now. Um, but it's, it's those things that are going to continue to, you know, while Jay, Jerome Powell and the Fed is trying to calm inflation in the United States, they can't control these geopolitical um, problems elsewhere. So Jamie Dimon's warning against that because oil can't be controlled necessarily by us. Joe Biden, on the other hand, he did release some of the oil from our strategic reserve. I think that was like three or four months ago. Um, but outside of that, there's little we can do except, you know, drill, baby, drill, which, you know, that's that's a, another issue. But, you know, just think about that when we're talking having this inflation conversation or this economic conversation, there's more that goes into a recession than a housing bubble. The last one in 2008 and nine, that recession was caused by a housing bubble. Uh, the recession in 2020 was caused by a pandemic. And this one currently, well, we're not even in it yet technically because recessions, we gotta look back on them. It's two uh, consecutive quarters of poor GDP growth. So right now we're not even in it, but people are warning about one possibly occurring. And I think a lot of businesses are preparing just in case, you know, you want to, 
make sure you got some powder dry when things go wrong. So I think a lot of companies are doing that. And even as households, like a lot of households need to do the same thing, have a good emergency fund. So while I think a lot of people still are spending a lot because there's a lot of money in the economy, you know, we saw the federal government passed out, you know, childcare money, all stimulus money. And so I think for a lot of people, it's good to, you know, make sure you're, you're, you got hay in the barn for, for any possible things that happen. And if nothing happens, then great. You got hay in the barn and, you, and you're good. You got a good cushion. You got a good savings. Um, but just be prepared. Um, regarding the housing market, listings are definitely going up. So we've mentioned this a few times. In January, active listings on the Wasatch Front Utah MLS was about 1,500. And I checked this. You know, every every Monday or Tuesday, this last Monday or Tuesday, it was about just over 5,000 active listings on the Utah MLS. So it's gone up a lot. What's causing that? Well, first, you know, demand's eased a little bit. Uh, supply, I think some people, they're, you know, maybe they're trying to cash out now because they think, you know, with the recession's going to happen, they got to get their money now. I know a few people who have been selling rentals. Um, and then also just Families like to move during the summer because school's out now. So they're like, this is when we move. Inventory always increases during the summer. It's, it's a normal trend that happens every year. So I think all three of those things are really playing into this inventory equation. Um, like I've mentioned before, certain price points, certain neighborhoods are still super competitive. Uh, we got an offer accepted this week, and I was just talking to the listing agent, and they had four offers on the listing. So while that's not the 30 offers we were seeing last year, it's still competitive environment. And that's in the $400,000 price range. You know, that is a competitive price range for sure. So just take that into account when you're buying or selling that depending on where you're at, your condition, your price, that's all going to play into how you get people to compete for your home to get you the most money when you're selling. Um, but aside from that, I think the market's still moving along. I think a lot of sellers are probably pricing their home as if it was a few months ago because we're starting to see some, you know, price cuts, price decreases because they started too high. You know, they're, they're pricing their home for the market from three months ago, not the market of today. So when you're talking to an agent selling your home, make sure you take that into account because the market is still creeping up, I think, with appreciation, demand. But it's not creepy. It's not going up like it was three months ago or six months ago or a year ago. So just take that into account. Like right now with real estate, I'm not seeing, you know, any big indicators that the bottom's falling out. You know, underwriting is still very strong. Underwriting changed a lot after the Great Recession. So things are good, I think. I think we're really getting back to when I, when I was talking to that agent today. Um, we're getting back to that pre-pandemic market, which was a very healthy market. And I hope that's where we land and, you know, we have a soft landing with the inflation problem. But from what I'm reading on the news, you know, people, even though there's inflation, they're still spending. You know, we'll see how things play out in the next month or two, but people are still traveling. Demand for, for flights and for driving are just through the roof. You know, part of it's like they were, you know, locked up for two years in a pandemic, didn't travel much. So now they want to get out and they're paying for, you know, with flights and gas, etc. So, you know, while inflation's there, people are still spending money. And so we'll see how things cool off and hopefully we can have a soft landing like Jerome Powell is talking about with the, the inflation conversation. Um, 
next, I wanted to just discuss, you know, if you follow me on social media, you probably know that I do a fair amount, not a lot, of Dutch oven cooking. So we went camping last weekend. We actually got snowed on. Uh, we went to Payson Lakes, which is about 8,000 feet elevation. I, I had been there once, but I'd never camped there. So we went up there uh, over Memorial Day. And like I mentioned before about winter, we got snowed on. We got hailed on. Uh, there was rain Saturday night into Sunday. And then Sunday, we were actually going to go ride bikes. And as we're going to ride bikes, it just starts hailing. And it was a lot of hail. So we went back to the camp. We got undercover to protect ourselves. But throughout Sunday, it was sun, hail, sun, snow, sun, more snow. And we woke up to the next morning, probably like an inch of snow. But with that, I wanted to talk, like just mention these Dutch oven cooking. So I found this new breakfast recipe. Usually for breakfast, when I go camping, I do like the griddle type thing. And I, and I make like eggs or bacon and pancakes, something like that. That's so much work when you're cooking food. Um, I know that's kind of traditional, but Dutch oven cooking is so much easier because everything ends up being like a, I guess a casserole or like a lasagna, something like that, where you just layer it all in, put the coals on the top, put the coals on the bottom, and let it cook for 45 minutes. So this new breakfast recipe, I'm going to put the, uh, the recipe in the comments, but basically you start with some sort of sausage on the bottom, then you do hash browns, then you do eggs. Then you do uh, bell peppers, then you do cheese, and then you do biscuits on top. So the one we made this last weekend, we actually made it a vegan. So it was like beyond sausage, which is really tasty, then hash browns, and then uh, we did just egg. It's like an egg substitute, really good. And then did some vegan cheese on that, the bell peppers. Then instead of doing like the canned biscuits, because that's what the recipe originally called for, was like those uh, pre-made biscuits. We actually use like a cornbread, basically, which is what we use for chili also when we're cooking. But I was so impressed with this Dutch oven recipe, I, I'm going to add it to, to the list of just regular stuff I cook because it was so simple. The biggest thing to remember when you're cooking with Dutch oven is just making sure you get your coals done early. So when it's time to cook and eat, you have hot coals ready to go so it'll actually cook your meal. Because if your coals are only halfway you know, cooked through, it's going to take even longer. It's not going to take the 40 to 45 minutes for the recipe. It's going to take forever. And I've dealt with that many times. So the best thing to do, you wake up, you start your campfire or start your coals and let that go going for, I don't know, 40 minutes, an hour. And then once those coals are good and hot, that's when you can start cooking on the Dutch oven. But, you know, as you probably noticed, we love camping and Dutch ovens is just a fun family thing. My dad was big into Dutch ovens. The Dutch ovens I use are the ones I've posted before about, they're all his. He like engraved our last name onto him. So good stuff. But um, aside from that, I actually went to a doctor's appointment yesterday and I ran into an old friend that I went to school with at Utah State. And we were chatting. We've seen each other probably three times in the last 10 years. I don't know. But it's always fun to catch up because he's a super sharp guy and we have a lot of the same interests actually. But he mentions to me that, you know, you know, in Logan, he went. To, we all went to school in Logan at Utah State. He actually, I don't know, four or five years ago, bought a 12plex, which is really cool. Um, you know, him and a, a friend, they came together, bought this 12plex that kind of fell in their lap. And since then, you know, they've, they've slowly grown this portfolio to like 22 units now. Um, they did this burr strategy on the, the other 10 units they bought. And so burst strategy, if you don't know, it's buy, uh, you rehab it, 
then you rent it out, and then you refinance it, and then you repeat that because you're buying a discount property because it's just, you know in disarray. And so you buy that, you do all the repairs to make it livable, make it rentable, then you rent it out so you have rents to borrow against. And then you do that cash out refinance where you try and pull as much equity out as you can. So you can pull your initial investment out is maybe the better way to say it. Um, so then it, you have your 20 to 25% down that you need for a commercial or an investment loan. And the rest of it, you can pull both back out to do it again. Um, and that's the birth strategy. And they, they did that on this other multi-unit, which is super cool. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because you know, no matter what kind of tools for retirement you're looking at, whether it's a stock market, bonds, you know, whatever kind of investing you're into, you know, a little bit of real estate investing can actually go a long way because, you know, when you buy a property, there's appreciation, there's rents that are paying down your mortgage, um, and there's also a little bit of cash flow typically. And all that appreciation, a few years down the road, you can sell 1031 exchange into another property, and it's if you take time, over 10 years, it's very simple to grow a small portfolio that's going to pay dividends in the future. Um, like I said, Ann and I, when we first moved to Salt Lake, we bought a duplex, um, two units. We lived in one, we rented out the other. That's called house hacking. Um, house hacking is a very simple way for, for first home, first time home buyers or younger buyers to you know, qualify for more because you can count the rents from that the other units to help you qualify for more. And then you live in one and you rent out the other. But while while you're doing that, usually your tenant in the other half is paying your most of your mortgage. Maybe you're paying part of it. And then down the road, when maybe you want to upgrade, get something bigger, you could maybe keep it or you could sell it and roll all that equity that you probably have into, you know, into your personal residence or maybe into like a fourplex or an eightplex, something like that. But, you know, there's always, you see all these people always post, you know, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. You know, most of the time that's true. You know, it's good to get in whenever you can and then let that appreciation occur. And that's kind of what I wanted to mention with that. But start small and just slowly build up and you're going to have success over the long term. When I, whenever I analyze a property, no matter where the market's at, you know, right now people are talking about recession, recession, recession. As long as you're in a growing jobs market where jobs aren't leaving, and as long as the rents will pay the mortgage, I think you're safe. You know, even if the market dips, like home values say they crash, as long as the jobs are staying and people aren't moving out of the community, then they're able to pay rent, and that rent is able to pay your mortgage on that property, you're fine. That loss in equity is just a paper loss. It's not actualized yet. So just something to think about when, you know, if you want to, if you're a first time home buyer or if you want to get into investing or multi-unit investing, these are all really safe. Like I'm not a huge risk taker. I take a fair amount of risk, but when buying real estate, you know, I'm pretty conservative with like, will the cash flow work? Will, will the people stay here and will it pay for the mortgage? Because even if the market crashes, it's still going to pay for it. There's going to be uh, principal pay down by those tenants and long term there's going to be equity in the property that you can roll to something else but that's what i wanted to cover for today you know be confident in our economy i'm very confident in our, in our economy even if there's these bumps and bumps in the road with inflation 
stimulus, all those things. You know, over the long term, I think it's we have an amazing country and amazing economy. So just think about that. Thanks for joining me on Podcast 13. If you have any questions or comments, put them down below, and I'll see you next time.